What's going on, everybody? This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics, and this is the Chondrocast, the podcast about green tree pythons and the people that keep them. Enjoy the show. Almost nine months has passed uh, since our last episode of the Condorcast, but we are back. This is episode 25, uh, brought to you by blackboxcages.com and specialty enclosure designs. You know our good buddy, David Brahms. He's the man. You need perches. You need perch mounts. You need portals. He's the guy to talk to. He's doing some awesome stuff. Blackboxcages.com if you need a rack or if you want something a little bigger cage-wise, something a little... little more bioactive ready if you're into that kind of thing and uh yeah so this week or this episode i should say because normally we do thp i'm in thp mode uh we're joined by mr james opdell andy middleton and tommy budway how is everybody doing great Tom? tommy's fucking bioactive ready <laughs> <laughs> doing well man happy to be here yeah it's good yeah to be here. Yeah, this is, uh, I know last time we did an episode, I was like, I'm going to do more of these. Um, now that the magazine isn't really doing a, you know, a thing anymore, I'm going to have more time to do these. So I'm making a conscious effort to make them happen. Um, but we've been wanting uh, to get Tommy on and it just finally happened. I've been trying to get some of the guys that are a little more quiet on, uh, on the social medias and, uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's good to be here. This is actually my first podcast. So. Is it really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I kind of keep to myself. Yeah. Um, Andy, anything new? What's going on? Uh, up yonder. Oh man, not a whole lot's new. Uh, you know, pretty much getting ready to redo the whole snake room. Pretty much this coming spring with the help of James. So looking forward to getting that done and. Everybody in their final and adult cages, but apart from that, not a whole lot's changed, you know. Still doing the same old thing, and uh, yeah, having fun doing it. James, um, uh, you know, I'm gonna be uh, Tommy's got some nice clutches about to fucking hit, so I'm gonna have to remodel his whole house in order to fucking <laughs> try to get. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got uh. I'm kind of like upgrading a lot of my animals enclosures. So the animals that are uh, growing out of their tubs and their babies and all that, I have to get a whole bunch of new enclosures in here that I built and uh, get everything kind of reset so I can uh, breathe a little bit for a while. And yeah. Soon. So what, uh, when you're upgrading though, like what sizes are you, are you going to, cause that's something I think Andy and I have talked about a lot is like those awkward in between sizes where they're too big for, you know, juvenile tubs, but they're too small for anything. That's like adult size. Um, the best luck I had with having that in between size, Andy, do you recall the, the, the court size of those tubs in the one rack where I now have Timor's? Um, I'd say they're probably 48 quarters. So 48. 
Yeah, they're just uh, they're probably got the footprint of like a V twenty eight or a V thirty five tub, but they're very mm-hmm. tall. So. Okay. Yeah. So, like, that's a back heat rack that I built, and um, once they're like just too big for the baby rack, if you you can put them in there and leave them in there until they're like three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you have to, but if you needed to, they 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 thrive in there. I mean, I've had very good results raising up animals in there. Um, Tommy, one of your uh. Your first blue girl, the Andrew Amen blue Monaquari girl that you got for me, she was raised up in that. Oh, yeah. Uh, she spent, a, you know, a good amount of time in there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff that I'm kind of swapping out are not the green trees. It's some of the other animals that I'm working with. So mm-hmm. the teen and white lips and stuff like that. Yeah, I forget you have white lips. Yeah, I got white lips. I got a group of Timors. I've got a um, group of uh, locality boas now that is fucking expanding. It's like, it's uh, I do like those things. And that's what originally got me into snakes. So I'm trying to uh, revisit that to some mm-hmm. extent. Yeah, you Which is cool. Too, right? Yeah, I do. Get another <laughs> um, I'm trying to find property in uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, I'm trying to uh, relocate at some point this coming year. He's joining the Amish. He's going to become a Mennonite. I don't think the Mennonites fucking chill with the fucking Amish, bro. No? I think they're too progressive. <laughs> In, unless it's Rumspringer, then it's like it's fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'd be welcome in that community. I bet if I brought some fucking ketamine, I would. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> so, Sir Budway, uh, how did what's your background in conjures? Like, how did you get into them? What was the draw? How long have you been been working with them? So I guess it's been, I think 2010 or 11, I started getting an interest in them. Uh, I was living in Arizona at the time and wanted to get into reptiles. I was always into reptiles when I was younger, but got out of it for a long time. And when I was in Arizona, I wanted to, you know, check. I actually looked into a couple species. You're going to laugh, but ball pythons, (laughs) Amazon uh, basins and, and conjos and ultimately decided to get into conjos because of the variation in colors and things like that. They're just amazing animals. But um, so I started there and uh, purchased a couple animals to start and just got the conjo bug like everybody else. And, you know, over the years, just the passion grew. And um, I moved when I moved back to Pittsburgh, I got in touch with James for animal he that he was selling that that blue manaquari Andrew and men um, female that he sold me and that was I think it was 2014 and um, met up with James at, at the barn in, in Maryland and met Irby and Tim Morris and just uh, got, got a, uh, to meet some good people and 
that's a dangerous group to be be yeah. Yeah, in, was, the, uh, in the circle with man yeah that was, that was a fun thing. yeah ain't nothing but a bad influence yeah yeah but yeah so i was just fortunate enough to you know, meet some good people and just the passion just grew and that's these things are amazing uh i think i first started breeding my first successful clutch was i think it was in 2015 you know, I might have crashed a couple before then. <laughs> so James gave me the nickname Crash because I think my first two or two or three watches <laughs> didn't fare so well. He willed them to death. He's like, these fucking things, I don't I don't know. <laughs> so what's your uh, current collection looking like? Are you more focused on the designer stuff, locality stuff, a little bit of both? No, it's all, all designer, mostly blue line, mainly blue line. Um, I would like to do start with some locality animals, but it's just really hard to find nowadays. A good good captive bred. Not many people are are breeding localities. I, I know you know David and and Gary are breeding manaquaries, and Patrick's doing some stuff with beox. And mm -hmm. of course, yeah, there's not a lot of locality out there. Yeah, it um, definitely seems like they there was kind of a a sudden sort of drop off at least in the last couple of years that I can think of where, you know, people doing stuff that are, you know, specifically Aru's or, or Biox and stuff like that just kind of seem to disappear almost all at yeah, once. You can still find some nice Aru's and Biox and shit like that, but there's few and far between uh, when it comes to imports uh, coming in that are the some of the localities that you know i would desire like the cyclops and the monoquari arafac and mm -hmm. and the ones that do come in people who probably don't have much business buying them buy them and then they're fucking dead so the you know happens all the time what was the um what was the first conjures you got when you started hanging out with these guys? I first let's say the first conjure that I first couple conjures I got were from John Lackey from um mm -hmm. uh I think it's Jade one was his Jade line and the other was the Black Ooh. Pearl line. Nice. So I started off with them and you know I got the bug and bought a couple a few from Jason Stevens. Um one of them was the Alabama signal herp pairing uh, another one that i got from jason was a actually andrew and men bred it it was a, a pure cyclops that jason ended up with somehow that i i bought from him and i forget what the other one was but those, those were the first five that i bought in the first years that i i was uh into conjos and that was, i think it was 2011 or 2012. Uh, but before that i was i mean i was lurking on mvf probably for about a year before I bought anything and um I, you know like a lot of people i did a lot of research and bought my cages had my setups you know set everything set up well in advance and and then i then i ended up buying this as uh my first conjures and uh, i was actually i don't know if you guys remember who the the um the mediator of the m the original mvf forum was greg i forget what's his last name the greg schroeder schroeder yes so he actually lived in. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. He actually lived in Scottsdale 
where I lived. And he, um, he saw a couple of posts that I, that I put on the MVF forum and ended up reaching out to me and he came over to the house and took some pictures. So that was, that was my, you know, that was pretty cool to, to, you know, develop a, a friendship with, you know, somebody that was that involved with, you know, oh, for sure. Forum and, and, and with uh, conjures in general. So. Was um, it tough keeping them out, out West where it was drier like that? You know what? I only had them I, for probably eight months out there. Cause I, okay. I bought them and moved like eight months later. It's funny. Cause I, I packed everything up in the U-Haul back of U-Haul and, and, you know, drove them back to Pittsburgh and, uh, yeah, so I really didn't get a feel for um, whether or not it was harder to, you know, keep them in a drier climate. Mm-hmm. I got you. <clears throat> so what are you, uh, as far as your, uh, like your, how your, how you have your setup, you mentioned some cages from James, are you, what do you prefer typically with those? Do you like cubes? Do you like something longer? I have well, I actually built probably seventy five percent of my caging. Um, when I first started, I built everything out of quarter inch acrylic and just your basic, you know, black acrylic and twenty four inch cubes for the males and twenty four by twenty four by thirty six for the females. Um, and that's basically what I keep them in the adults in now, just twenty four inch cubes for males and twenty four by twenty four by thirty six for females. I keep neos and you know six quart racks mm-hmm. up until their first year uh and then i have another a bigger rack system that i keep them from like a year to two years um and then after two years i move them into their adult enclosures yeah what size tubs are those after that first year mark what do they get bumped up to from that so this probably I, I don't even know they're probably so six quarts for the neos i, I would imagine the and I step them up. I think it's probably twelve quarts, so I probably double the size. And then, and then um, probably I guess I don't know twenty twenty quarts or further after the after the uh, twelve quarts. So, mm-hmm. so they go into three size tubs before I, I move them into yeah. their smaller quarters. Yeah, that's what I've been doing with mine. So I start them out in sixes, and then they get bumped up after, yeah. you know about that year year and a half mark depending on the animal you know they get i put them in they're in 20 quarts and then i have a gigantic like seven foot tall cambro rack uh that they get bumped up to after after they've kind of outgrown that 20 so nice that you is get the kinda, one more time where'd you get the cambro rack did you so yourself? <clears throat> no i got a buddy that lives around the corner from me that breeds boas Mm-hmm. And at one point he was wanting to get an emeralds, but it never happened. I think he got one and it, he lost it. You know, it rolled on him or something. And so he had this giant. Uh, what's the name of that damn brand? You remember what brand it was, Andy? That I was. Uh, Habitat Systems. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hollow Core PVC stuff. Yeah. It's an absolute nightmare. Um, I bought that from him for, you know, a couple hundred bucks, or traded him some other cages or something for it. And it's got the big Cambros that are the. Uh, nice. What's the, I don't know why I'm blanking on the size, but they're the 1826 15s, I think. It's the Rubbermaid brand, though. It's not the actual Cambros themselves. But um, yeah, I've bumped them up to that after they've they've hit that 
two year mark or so, and that's what yeah. I've been raising up mine in. Because I only, I mean, currently I only have like ten or eleven green trees, I think. So I don't have a ton. You know, I'm not having yeah. to have wall to wall setups for them. But that is always sort of the frustrating part is like once they've outgrown those smaller tubs, yeah, finding something that's appropriate for that that next size up. But you know, I, ideally, I'd want hatchling. That in between stage and then adult. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna. I, I think the six quarts are a little too small. I might. I was thinking about getting a bigger size for you know fresh neos, but yeah. I don't know. This one that I got from Luke recently, man, that thing's. I mean, it's such a beast with food. I feel like I'm gonna be upgrading it within the next couple months. By the end of the year, easy. No, what are you weed. Those he hatched, was it like middle of last year? About. And uh, it's just, that whole clutch is just absolute monsters with food. And like he had, he had no issues with them whatsoever out the egg. Like they all, all took no problem. And nice. it shows because this, this one I have from him, man, it's just, it's getting fat and it's getting, it's growing quick. That's awesome. And it has started to change yet uh no so the the weird thing is is pretty much all the other clutch mates of that that group uh got dark quick like black quick and this one and then there's someone else that has another neonate from that clutch that hasn't really changed either i'm starting to notice a little bit of like a greenish tint coming in on it um but the other ones like the the difference is night and day you know the, the other ones they they went dark really fast and yeah. you know that was the pairing that had that herby male uh to the the manaquari type female and um i don't know i'm anxious to see where it goes i mean regardless it's got you know some awesome awesome lineage behind it so whether it ends up looking like something crazy or not you know it's it's whatever the you know the the, the parts are still there yeah, know, yeah. Good. So I'll take it. Yeah, definitely good good lineage there. So yeah, those are the Soul Train grandkids, right? Yes. Yeah, and he doesn't he, the, sure. that female is one that has some Maxwell lineage in her down the line. And that was the one that I've tried to find pictures of for That's my own lineage. We up, right? yeah, yeah, and we were trying to and we couldn't find any of them. So I'll just have to remain in the dark. Andy, Andy will uh, search it down for you. He's the guy I go to, man. If I need to like find anything, I know he's, he's got it somewhere. <laughs> him not having it are pretty slim. Andy Sark. He knows our lineage is better than we do. I, James I, and I, I have to ask him what <laughs> I could find too much that uh, Justin didn't already have, so but uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll take another look. Yeah, I think it was on the so the dam. I want to say it was the dam side of that female was Zulu and Jewel, and those were the ones that I couldn't hunt down pictures of. And I'm trying to remember who it was that produced that female. It's in my records. I'd have to look, um, but I think yeah. Luke even asked him at one point, and he he just it never it never happened. Um, I thought Zulu and, and oh, that sounds like something that was in one of Maxwell's books. 
I'll have to look. I have it on the shelf. I don't know if the original or the after the complete, more complete. But I think more complete, but I'm not positive. Sounds familiar though. Yeah, I have the original thanks to Elijah now, so um, I can take a look in that too. Oh yeah, I forgot you got that. Yeah. Have you like compared to the the second edition? Is there any major major differences between the two? Uh, so I haven't really dug into it a whole lot. Um, but uh, so you know, I can't speak to that too much. But uh, I hear there is. But uh, I'll see for myself. I more so got or wanted it for you know the historical factor and oh yeah. Um, there's a Greg Maxwell female here on loan and. I have both the books above her cage and, you know, kind of nerded out a little bit. So uh, I was happy to get the set together. And then, you know, also nice that I have a Greg Maxwell female here, you know, so. Yeah, I feel like that stuff and the, you know, the Rico stuff, man, it's to have any of that, whether it has it in lineage, you know, down the line of ways or not, is just awesome that it's still out there and floating around and people can still get their hands on it. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, Tommy's got a fucking nasty fucking signal herp female. Yeah, she's pretty. She's pretty amazing. Um, and she's Christian has her down at the barn, and she's produced a couple clutches. Well, actually, her first clutch she only produced one. Um, who's I mean, it turned out to be amazing. I sold her and actually bought her back, bought him back. Um, but she had a clutch in 2020 with Serac, and um, they're all turning out pretty special. So. That's um, awesome. Yeah, but she's just like, yeah, she's she's incredible. And that first one just produced a clutch for you, spicy noodle. Yeah, yeah. That's the clutch I have in the incubator right now. Yeah, this would be a good pairing. So, so I paired that up to to um, James's Andrew Men Blue Man Aquari female, and uh, yeah, it should be a pretty pretty. Pretty good clutch. So. Thank God. If, I told they, if they hatch, anyway. We still got a long way to go. <laughs> did any did did y'all know Andrew at all? We did a, a like a tribute piece to him in the magazine in the Condro issue. But, I, you know, I, it seems like very few people were like in regular talks with him. It seems like I did not know him. I think James, you knew. Did you? You yeah, met him, right? I got to meet him. I I never got to speak with him. I got that Andrew Amen mail from Brian Toya, <clears throat> who probably got it directly from Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was the that was the best snake, uh, the best breeding mail I ever had. Fucking machine! <laughs> that, that whole clutch that Andrew produced was pretty amazing. Um, from what what I. From the research that I've done, so I mean, there's a lot of stellar animals out there. Well, you you have right in your possession there, Tommy, some nasty, potent bloodline from that Andrew. You have that Andrew Amen blue monoquari female. Yeah. That I mean, there's not much of that around. I mean, you have the only one that has the blue monoquari girl. That's the only one alive right now. You're talking about the, pur- the purple one, right? <laughs> yeah, the purple one. Don't tell Tim Morris that. That's purple. Oh, fucking, his head might explode. <laughs> He'll be like, goddamn cocksucking motherfucker, that thing ain't fucking purple. 
fucking, <laughs> fucking slap a bitch. <laughs> so how many pairs have you been doing the last couple of years that you've been breeding them? Yeah, um, I actually, I don't have a lot of the, the adults. So I have right now, what, probably 12 adults, six females, seven females and four, five, five males. And then I have some sub adults and neos, but I only do probably one or two pairings a year. Um, next year will probably be the first year that I'll be able to breed about three or four pairings. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I don't have a huge collection but you're i, you're I, mean, right. I, got crippled la- I got crippled last year i lost a couple females that were gravid one ovulated oh, that sucks. And, yeah so that set me back a little bit but yeah i don't yeah i don't have i don't have a lot of pairings every year you're, you're raising some shit up though that you're that you held back that's gonna be killer yeah hopefully <clears throat> And what are the what are the plans for those? Are you planning to branch those out into some other stuff? Are you planning to sort of line line breed things a little bit? No, I mean my lines are pretty diverse. So I have some from Jan like um I mean they all stem back to you know uh, Mr. Blue and mm-hmm. Morris Blue Female, but they're pretty deep down in the lineage, so it's not like inbreeding. Right. And and they're you know and I have a little uh, outcrossing with the blue, blue Manaquari girl. There's outcrossing with, you know, Manaquari. And I have the Sky Topaz Beox. So I have Beox blood in there. Um, but, yeah, I have a little bit of Rich Culver blood. So it's 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 all over the board. It's, so I got a lot of, a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So this, this year, there's a snake that I produced from a Rich Culver male. Dream Baby Mighty Blue to a Dale Jewel female that has produced some really, really cool snakes. Uh, I call him Galaxy. Jameson makes fun of me for that, but <laughs> but he, uh, I, mean, no, was, I saw the picture on your Facebook page of him earlier. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, yeah. it's just crazy. Tommy names a fucking snake after his favorite stripper. <laughs> <laughs> on the main stage, it's. <laughs> Galaxy up next. <laughs> but so I have him paired up to my Serac Lagatha, which is she's five dollar jello shot. <laughs> so hard to take it seriously because it's just a black box up in the corner just talking shit. <laughs> Excuse me, I already this bottle. I'm so tempted. I'm so tempted to pair stuff just uh, I I'm uber curious What'd about you call me? throwing Beox into just everything. And that's I mean, kind yeah. of the issue I have with, with the animal I have from Brahms is it's got that signal herp lineage and stuff. I love. I want to pair that to other stuff, but at the same time, it's like I'm so curious to see what Beox thrown in there would, would do. You know, red Beox. Oh, dude. What animal is that, Justin? That one was from uh, Brahms's Clutch back in 20... 20- Twenty? Was that that was that crazy one or what's he called that one? It was from uh Mako and uh Mr. Jones. Oh. So what's uh, the background on that though? 
It goes, I, I tracked it all the way back to some of the, uh, let me look it up actually. I'll get the numbers for you. But some of it all, all went all the way back to like Vinsky stuff. Andy, did you eat a bunch of edibles? You're off. Yeah, David doesn't. Nice yeah. animal. <laughs> Chad, do you seriously sit in the dark? I'm in the snake room, man. It's light trout. I don't <laughs> disturb in my babies. <laughs> yeah, so Mr. Jones was from a signal female and a Gary Schiavino manaquari male. Oh, nice. Uh, and then the dam, Mako, was from... An Oshi female and a Vinsky male, which then uh, that was on the Grand Dam side. And then the Grand Dam and Grand Sire were both signal animals. Nice. So this is yeah. one that you have, Justin? Yeah, yeah. This is one of the ones from Brahms. So you're thinking about maybe putting it to a Biak? Well, when you say it like that, it sounds stupid. But <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm. That's what I was saying. I, I mean, I, I'm all for that if it's the right biak. Yeah, I don't know. It's you know, everyone talks about Wamina and and biak being sort of the secret sauce for really throwing some curveballs into things. And well, you know, I don't, I don't know. Island don't type wanna... biak is gonna do really interesting things and doesn't necessarily have to be a Wamena. It's I mean, who the fuck knows what a Wamena even really is. So right. You know, a uh, uh, any Highland type looking animal or you know to a a red Biok type is that's a that's a good combination. I've had good results with it. And mm -hmm. that's why I was I was really hoping that that animal from Brahms would be a male. That way, I could just really put them do a lot of stuff and see what happens. But mm -hmm. I'm I'm ninety percent sure it's a female. So get some freaking beast biok to just freaking hammer down on that thing. I mean, fortunately, like half my half my stuff right now is males and their biok, so it well, works out. I think you have a, a, a man for the job. <laughs> But I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with being male heavy though. I'd rather be male heavy than have too many females, you know. That, well, I'm Yeah, but Andy you've had issues trying to get males to breed, and you brought in the ringer, and boom, yeah. that's right. I, they're not all the males are going to do it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, turned to be, you know, turning out to be a good, you know, thing to have around. You know, quite a few extra males. I think I have something like uh, 11 males and three females right now. Like it's seriously skewed towards the male side, but um, you know, they're all, you know, everything I have was kind of selectively chosen and, you know, I'm pretty particular about the bloodlines and what have you. So everything I have, you know, I want to keep, you know, it's uh, you know, I have a plan for it one day and what have you. So just need to get my female account up, you know, by one way or another, but uh, right. Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, Andy's Andy's like, hey Tommy. Uh, by the way, I might need some females up and coming. <laughs> yeah, 
Hopefully yeah. those fucking patch, man. Tommy's got some good shit coming, Andy. I know. I'm aware. Don't jinx me, man. No. Yeah, now you ruined it, James. I he still does have a lot of... If uh, if it goes wrong, it's James's fault, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he already <laughs> he does it to himself. There's still a lot of time for me to mess it up. Settle down, Crash. Think positive. <laughs> How many clutches do you got right now? What are you What are you sitting on? That's it. I have a couple more pairings, but um, they're not panning out. A lot of locks, but no development. There's, the females are still on feed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying, yeah, that so that Galaxy, so that Stream Baby, Mighty Blue, to that Dale Jewel female, um, I bred him to my Serac Lagatha. So, I mean, I'd be really excited if that, that one took. And what's her name? I didn't give her a name. Yeah, but you call her something all the time. <laughs> I'm trying to keep this. I'm trying to keep this PG. <laughs> I guess we're beyond PG right now, right? Yeah, I mean James is here, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tommy's pet, man, because well, I, Galaxy... call, I call her F N F C. Honestly, all this thing wants to do is eat. Yep, and fucking oh, uh, Galaxy's banging the shit out of this big bitch, and, uh, <laughs> and, and Tommy's like, motherfucker! She's eating Cheetos while he's banging her. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't fucking eat him, dude. <laughs> always hungry. And dude, it looks like it's like good, it's like prime. This animal is beast. She looks and, great. And it just won't get gravid. She, I think, I actually think she reabsorbed last year. Cause she, wait, um, wait. didn't you guys uh, ultrasound her and she was at 10 and 10, 10. except had... one looked like it was 18. Yes. Yeah. And that was about three weeks ago. That's crazy. Yeah. So that, that could be the problem. Maybe she reabsorbed except for one. And it's fucking just sitting in there, and it's fucking up her cycle or something. I don't know. I mean, I don't sure know. She, fuck do I know? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure she reabsorbed last year because she went off feed for a little bit, and she, and I so I mean, she went in the shed cycle. So I put a nest box in there, and she was in a nest box for like a week, and then like she was like looking like she wanted to eat, so I fed her. I was like, she's not gonna eat. <laughs> so I fed her and she ate. I was like, oh my god, seriously. Damn it. Or it could be that you named Galaxy. <laughs> I mean, it's not stopping him, so <laughs> he's trying. Yeah, he isn't uh... I don't know. This was something I think about, but imagine you kept a nest box in year round i i'm pretty i mean i don't have nearly the experience you guys have but i'm pretty sure they would use it all year round regardless if they're in nesting behavior or what have you is that conducive to you know thermoregulation and would they sit in there all day i'm not sure i haven't done it but yeah i don't know i think it's very least dude i it's an enrichment somehow because dude as soon as you throw those things in these enclosures they go looking and seeing what the oh, fuck's yeah. in Check it like, out. Like, right away. Oh, we lost them. I'm out? No, nope, you're there. You're back. You're back. I keep trying to say that to my... 
that doesn't happen. So just have another pairing. Um, I have a Kalangali female that's dream baby, dream baby, mighty blue to the Andrew men. Um, and I have her paired up to a Sky Topaz Biok, and same thing. They've been locking up um, for probably um, over a month, but yeah, she's not developing. And how but are I, you? Are you are you keeping the males in with the females for extended periods of time? Are you introducing them for you know brief usually, periods and then splitting them up? Yeah, I usually keep them in for like a week. Okay, and then I'll take them out and then feed and then put them back in and you know keep doing that. And obviously they're being cold at night. I don't feed cycle mm-hmm. like a lot of people do, but just basically time cycling. That Sky Topaz Biox a fucking beast. <laughs> yeah. He's a horn dog. Socrates had good luck with his uh, female too from that same clutch. Did they hatch or do they have eggs right now? No, they hatch. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great looking babies. I think they, Andy, didn't he breed that to the uh, Sandro male? Yeah, it's from, uh, I think it's got that insanity blood in it. Yeah, really interesting clutch, that's for sure. Super diverse, too. Yeah. Did you guys far- oh, go ahead, Tommy. Do you guys see that enclosure, that Bowen's enclosure that Joey built for him? Yeah, that's fucking cool, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. Pile. It's got that big ass branch in there. Does it have like a water feature that it, it's like uh, overflows like out of a pot? Or I didn't see that part really. I saw a water feature. I'm not sure how what, how it's hooked up, but I'm. Looks like probably, I guess, a pump or whatever. But. Yeah. It's a good size though for that for that size animal. Yeah. yeah. And it's Andy. Under- Sorry, James. Go on. What were you? Saying? What were you gonna ask, Andy? I was gonna. Andy had mentioned that you have a, a male that sheds post ovulation of the female. I wanted to touch on that some. So, Tommy, didn't you notice a pattern um, with males shedding after female ovulation? It's not just one snake, just a, a pattern over time. Yeah, actually, it wasn't me. I think it was. I think it was Mark. Mark is it Hager? Jaeger, Hager, Hager. Yeah, Hager. Like yeah. He, he posted something last year about uh, males shedding with, you know, coinciding with a female ovulation, and I, you know, it got me curious. So I went back through my records and. You know, sure enough, I mean, they're within, you know, a couple of weeks. The males are usually shedding um, when the female's ovulating. And this past clutch that I just hatched or just uh, laid last week, the male shed on the exact day that the female ovulated. Huh. That's, I mean, I have no idea if, if any of that means anything, but I don't know. It's interesting. It's definitely you know, worth looking into and keeping data to see yeah. if there's, you know, more consistent pattern. Yeah, and you I'm mentioned you, you keep a lot of data too. Yeah, I do. What do you, what are you mostly keeping track of? Like, what do you, 
so I have a, I mean, I have a spreadsheet that keeps chat. I just jot down like, like when they ovulate, when they shed, you know, first meal after shed, um, nest block temperature. I mean, just, there's probably 20 different data points that I keep track of just, to over the last, you know, eight years or so just to see if it, you know, it could, you know, benefit, you know, going forward to see if you mm-hmm. can be more successful doing this. It's just, it, I don't think it matters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it definitely does because long-term you see patterns and stuff that you probably wouldn't have noticed if you hadn't keep, you know, kept track of that stuff yeah. long-term. But basically if the female lays, you know, decent, good eggs are going to hatch if they're not good they're not going to hatch i mean like this last clutch like i said i i noticed this one this one egg that the embryo looked kind of funny it, it had strong veins but i i marked it because i'm like there's i don't think this thing's going to hatch and sure enough it's gonna it's crashing right now um and there's really really not much you can do have you tried maternal incubation with yours at all no i haven't and um I would like to do that at some point, but this female was, she's kind of small to begin with. Mm-hmm. And she's not real, she wasn't real heavy. So, I mean, I would have loved to try it this time, but I, I wouldn't, I didn't want to risk it with her. Yeah. Maybe with a bigger female. With that Serac, Agatha, <laughs> that huge monstro- <laughs> monstrosity of a female. I'll try it, but yeah. But getting getting back to the the data points, I think it's definitely more important how you're you know treating them with the, I mean how you're keeping the temperatures before, I mean all year round really, but you know more importantly like the while you're breeding them and you know what you're feeding them that's going to dictate you know, if they're going to have good good eggs or not. Because once they have eggs, there's not much you can do, obviously. How many did she have? She had 10 eggs um, and 10 fertile and one slug. So two two years ago, she had 10 fertile and three slugs. And eight of them ended up hatching. So, and I'm probably, I'm betting that probably eight will hatch this time too. Like I'm gonna lose that one, and another one looks like it's a little iffy, but so we'll see. Didn't one have that little fucking nipple on it that you were talking about? Still looks alright though. What's that? You said one had that little freaking nipple on the end. Yeah, it had a boob on the end. So, it's like it didn't like the egg was like the shell was like cinched or something towards the towards the end of it. Not just like the yellow, yellow like calcification oh, okay yeah what's your uh what's your preferred incubation what do you you doing them over water yeah i just have those sims containers just over water and straight i straight bake just around 87 degrees <clears throat> actually so my first couple clutches like i said i crashed and ended up i was like and it was on in a homemade incubator just a wine cooler fridge that you know i thought i held temperatures pretty consistently but 
I was like, forget this. <laughs> so I went and I went on eBay and bought a lab grade incubator, like a thermo scientific water jacketed, uh, <laughs> help, a, help a filter. It's, it's the, I've been using that for the last six years, five years. So, and it works great. I don't near, I don't crash as nearly as many, uh, as clutches as I used to. <laughs> Good job, Tommy. <laughs> so what you do you really have what, a good hack what's that I'll be lost him again James I'm here <laughs> it's so hard to tell it's just the black the black box of death <laughs> what were you asking about the incubator What's that? <laughs> what is he doing? Shadow man. Tom, James. you were talking female. I'm here, man. Okay, cool. What's that, Jay? You were talking about that we were talking about the eggs and uh fuck I asked you something and then it blacked out. Yeah. Um, I think you were gonna ask uh you have you're saying that he has pretty good hatch rates. Yeah, the um, mo once you get by the first like week or so, you if you had like your one, you you don't have any uh, like death on like hatch day, really, from what I've recalled from your clutches. Not a ton, but I mean, I, I've had a few. Like the I mean, in terms of like drown babies, like drown neonates, or just dead. Egg on the last day, or okay. yeah, probably the, the hope yard, the yolk hardened, or I mean, yeah, you know, the ones that are sitting on that rubber edge, like super ball yolk, <laughs> super ball yolk, <laughs> <laughs> but, but they're fully formed, it's pretty, pretty wild, yeah, that is freaky. Well, if you poke if you poke them to see if they're still alive in there, and they feel like rubber ball, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any particular, in terms of deciding like holdbacks and stuff? And James, this is a question for you too. Like, what do you what dictates? What do you look for in holdbacks? Um, usually for more money in my pocket, so I don't have to sell them. But other than that, uh, I like the, the dark ones. If, uh, if they're real, real dark from the blue line or high black bloodline, I want those dark, dark babies. But I've had lighter colored babies really surprise, surprise you and yes. they can turn just as blue. Yeah, same for me. I usually pick the darkest ones or, or the ones with the you know really cool yellow diamonds. Or orange diamonds, but anything that is unique in that clutch. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's it's a crapshoot. You never know. I mean, have you had the opposite happen where you picked a darker neonate and it ended up not being? Yeah, no. this um, well, I have this this um. Well, luckily, I kept them, kept them, not all of them back, but most of them back. Um, the Serac <laughs> Signal Herp clutch that hatched in 2020. So the first pick, I mean, this neo is insane looking it was like purple with like literally orange diamonds and i'm like there's no way this thing's not going to be incredible but i mean it's 
it they're two years old now and it's i mean it's a pretty amazing snake it's pretty blue and you know has some black and you know yellow diamonds but probably the this one that was not it wasn't the darkest of the clutch is probably like a medium darkness and had you know decent diamonds turned out to be like way 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 nicer like than than the first pick so i mean you, you just never know and, and this I, thing like i got one of tommy's first picks yeah 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 i don't want to talk about that <laughs> i'm still a little bitter about that one come on you don't want you don't want to hear the story <laughs> you can tell it good it was pretty fucking funny well this motherfucker that that was tommy's pet name for it apparently because it was such a fucking asshole it wouldn't fucking eat so he's like i don't know what the fuck to do with this thing man this fucking piece of shit i'm gonna fucking whip it again like this fucking angry that this thing was the nicest fucking one and i'm like fucking send it up here man i'll fucking i'll get it to eat and uh andy fucking happened to fucking be actually andy you got another snake from that clutch so yep they came together I open them up. I put them in the fucking bins. They're sitting there. Fucking Andy comes over. And I open the bin to show him the one that I got from Tommy. And the thing's fucking caught alluring. It's fucking <laughs> red. No, it's been in there for an hour. I'm like, really? I was like, Andy, check this out. Fucking, I fucking give it a fucking pink and it just fucking hammers it. Tom, I fucking Tommy's like, nah, you're fucking lying, you motherfuckers. And dude, it's hysterical, man. I was like, no, nah, dude, this thing's already eaten. Yeah, that was. Hey, fun. Justin, it's it's like the mayonnaise jar. It's all prep work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he, he, he loosened it up for you. But a, a testament to Tommy's first pick. That thing is blue as fuck right now. No, I was talking about the. I was referring to the other first pick. You weaseled me out of. <laughs> hey, man, intoxication it, it, in a fucking verbal agreement it is not a fucking done. You know, it's a done deal. Still, <laughs> I had the same thing happen with a uh, little popcorn carpet from Riley Jemison. He's like, dude, I can't get this thing to eat. I'm sending Jake some snakes. If you want it, I'll send it. And I was like, sure. And like within a half hour of getting it, I offered it something. And it took it like it had been eaten the entire time. Yeah. I sent him a picture. I was like, thanks. He's like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these things will uh, keep you scratching your head. That's for sure. Break your fucking heart, dude. And he's seen some nasty shit over here, man. So I can just trial by fire. Like, yeah. uh, the first, dude, this year has been shitty, man. I mean, I, all right, I can't say shitty, but it started off pretty fucking bad. I was say, it's only February, so. Yeah, but I start cycling October 1st, and um, so I had the first clutch, uh, the female, big ovulation, prelay shed, everything textbook. She's proven two times over, and uh, this thing just couldn't get the eggs out for some reason this time, and uh, I knew it was bad. She was not over, uh, exceptionally overdue, but... I've, I watched her every night in the nest box and she let out two little slugs like the size of jelly beans. And, and then that was it. Like 
she curled up like she was all done, beehive, twitching. So I was like, Andy, we got, you know, can you come over in the next day or two? And we, I think that she's just eggbound. And let's palpitate these things out. So how many did we get out, Andy? It was like nine or ten, right? Yeah, it was nine or ten. And, uh, you know, we found uh, one seemed to have been adhered to the oviduct lining. Remember that mm. one with the, uh, it almost looked like coagulated blood or dried, yeah. you know. Um, like, so I that, think that's that was what the probably caused the blockage. Yeah. So that one, like we were able to palpitate all these eggs out except for like that one. And then we had to make an incision, like a pinhole in the oviduct and push it through and pull it out and clean that damaged area and then put a part of the oviduct back in. It was a fucking, it's a shit show, dude. When this kind of stuff happens, it's like a shit show. <clears throat> but I mean, surprisingly, that animal is thriving and has eaten and defecated and so far so good. I can't say that she's 100%, but surprisingly a good result so far. Yeah. That happened to me a couple of years ago. Same, same exact thing. She, I know. Uh, really bad yeah did you end up have to having to make an incision in the overdock yeah. in order to get them out as well yeah yep yeah it like it came it, it basically came out like the middle of the duck danny it wasn't the end i don't yeah think. i think when uh we were palpitating she prolapsed her overduct yes yeah yep. but then that was gave us the opportunity to make the incision and push them out yeah nice. and that was almost the end and i was like fuck i was like well we'll see if it goes back in and how far it you know it wasn't horrible tom tommy's was pretty bad um and you know people talk about how fragile these things are but when you experience something like that and the snake survived and i mean did well for you know a while and it's pretty amazing like mm -hmm. I mean, Dude, she, I, she bled a lot, and I mean, I was stuffing her her overduct back in her, and it kept popping out. And yeah, I felt Actually, like the magician, the magician in the hat you know, with the handkerchiefs. When Andy and I were working on the, that one female, though, you you like that area has those two main veins running down the lateral, and when you're trying to palpitate these things. it's it's a all a big crapshoot and it's a dangerous situation if you don't know what you're doing but because you can rupture you can they can bleed out in like a moment's notice when you're yeah. doing it near the cloaca there and remember andy there was a, a little bit of blood but it wasn't yeah. significant yeah um so that did concern me because you could have a lot more internal bleeding but there was one scenario where it was this monster bi female i had and uh she retained or i can't even say retained because she prolapsed her oviduct and when i came home she was perched and she had this is years ago this is 2009 the this is the first year 
that I was trying to produce these like on a larger scale. She came out of the nest box, perched up, and she prolapsed her overduct and had like nine eggs in the overduct wrapped around the perch. Ooh. Hang- and uh, so that animal um, didn't didn't survive. But I mean, trying to get th- that situation to try to salvage her was like a fucking shit show. So that's the kind of stuff that you that happens. Like you know, you'll get like, oh, my first clutch, and it's like, yeah, it can be textbook. It can be a fucking nightmare. So. What do you think the cause is of, of that? Do you think it's a hydration thing or a calcium thing? Uh, uh, you know, that I mean, I don't think it, I, you know what? I don't, it, every, every one of the cases that, that I've dealt with is a different situation and every animal is different and its background is different. That was mm-hmm. an import, uh, but <clears throat> I did... I was able to hatch out seven or uh, seven or nine of those eggs. Those were those Highland Beox, Andy, that I do still have. Um, And there are some of the best, most resilient animals that I have. Some of the biggest clutches, the most fertile clutches, and the best clutches that I had were from import. Um. And just really hardy animals, and but they were outcrosses still. They were Highland Beagle, um, you know that the those type of one, those clutches, those pairings were very good. Um, but then again, you don't know the backgrounds. I mean, when you know the backgrounds of these things, Justin, it, it's it's a lot. You have that more little more data to go by to to kind of like guess what's going on and why things happen. But the female that Andy and I had to palpitate that clutch out of, she had two previous clutches. I never had a problem with had hundred percent clutch, uh, hatch rate and, uh, gave her a year off between each time minimum. So it's, 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 gotta, it's gotta be high at hydration. I mean, I mean, I mean why but, but there's no difference in hydration than what I'm doing with them the other years though. That's the thing. Yeah. Like you know, I'm not changing my activity. I mean <clears throat> so I mean it could be a, a a it could be the male. I mean we're talking different males. I never put this male, but this male has gotten five clutches out and uh, mostly completely fertile, excellent clutches. So it's, it could be a compatibility thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about different species now, technically. So some are maybe yeah. better. Others. I mean, some, some are, mm-hmm. I don't know. What were you saying, Andy? <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. I could have sworn there was something being said there. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that some localities are, I think, 
create better better results than others so but i mean with the the new taxonomy it's what i mean i don't know what do you think i don't know i haven't seen enough data um i mean it could be out there and i just haven't looked into it as much but i mean between the localities is there much difference between egg sizes and you know, um, how much influence does a male have on egg size or, you know, what, you know, you know, I, I just, don't, I think there's not enough known to, you know, necessarily say that, but, um, I don't know. I, I don't know how much influence a male has on the females and on that stage of reproduction. I, I'm really not sure, but, um, I don't know. Well, there might be something to it, because I remember talking to Natush, uh, you know, when he was looking at all the different groups now, and, and I asked him if there was, if he saw a lot of, you know, crossover, um, like, intergrades, and if I recall, he he said no, it was like, you, you, we really didn't see the mixing of, of the subspecies and stuff, um, which I had asked because I it sort of equated to like the dart frogs and how you can have a ton of different Raina Tamea in one area, but you don't see intergrades between them. Um, so I don't know, man. I mean, maybe there is something to what James is saying with the you know the localities and and from just... experience. And I don't have a lot of experience breeding locality. <laughs> the arus that I produced, they were very jags and smaller clutches. Uh, also, the arus that I've had are some of the biggest animals that I've had. Now, these are some of them were much older animals, but monster size in comparison to like highland type animals. Then I James, had, you had bee huh? You had smaller clutches with the roos? Yeah, hundred percent. Wow! And I feel the like the largest clutches I've ever seen were from a roos. Really? What's that one? Yeah, I, I I remember seeing pictures in the groups of some of the guys having just massive clutches from those. Yeah. I don't know. I I've had well, I've I've had clutches that were in the eleven to like fourteen range, but very big eggs, very big, like uh, and then the Marooks that I had were those, which were those het albino were the big uh those were big eggs as well and they were also small clutch um the beox had fairly large eggs um but higher numbers as well um so how do the um the say you know your highland type females how do those uh egg sizes compare to your aru to aru clutches or the maruk clutches or i would know? say a couple of like the aru were a couple of grams bigger than the highlands the highlands and i guess i guess what we refer to as highlands are all the poultry animals you know just without a specific, um, you know, data or locality yeah. collection point I, on them. Manaquari, uh, Cyclops, Arafac, like that type that of... Upper, upper right-hand quadrant of the 
you know the yeah, yeah. all the yeah Bird's Head Peninsula stuff. Yeah. I'll just call them Highlands because like I have never had anybody give me any out of speck of fucking data on any animal that I've had that um that came in or otherwise was had anything connected to it to tell me what it truly was. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if that blue monoquari female is of monoquari. It, it, it looked what to be what I was told years and years and years ago was a monoquari, but you know, who the fuck knows? <laughs> you know, thing came out of the jungle somewhere and got to a town and, Somebody put a label on it down the line. That, that's that. Yeah. I mean, the the guy that has the most information on that stuff and has collected the most specimens and is Daniel Natush. And um, as far as I know, like nobody else has that kind of data. I would love yeah. to see that compiled at some point and published. I'd buy that book. <laughs> Yeah, that was that study. I mean, there's it's kind of hard to argue it when he, you know, the sample size of animals he looked at was just a gigantic, you know, it wasn't like he just found, you know, 30 animals across the, the range and was like, yeah, these are different. It was very, very involved. I think there was thousands of specimens. Yeah. I'm not sure how many he collected, but he collected these specimens and preserved uh, a multitude of them, I, I, I believe. So, I mean, that's a huge amount of data, which, you know, I would love to be able to, to, to go to New Guinea and do some actual GPS data collection on, on species, on localities, you know? So, yeah, I think it would be cool to one day have that type of data where, like, and if Daniel has those animals, do the DNA to to link to like put it in a database where you can take the dna from these localities and basically have a spreadsheet uh, of it where you can then link it to a blood sample or a, a dna sample of your designer animal to truly yeah. what the percentages are and then to look at the background and the data information like somebody like Tommy has to see what the successes and failures were, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and then link that back to the, the percentages of each locality that are involved and yeah. why potentially it was successful or failed. I mean, there has to be, yeah, there has to be something to that. So. I think there might be, I mean, these animals became specialized in different environments and different areas of these islands. And I mean, they're, they're specialists. So I, I think that, you know, animals from Aru, animals from Biak, maybe, I mean, that, that's one of the ones that you see all the time are Aru Biaks that people have crossed mm -hmm. and they're pretty successful at it. I did Arubiak crosses, and those were some of the most resilient, excellent animals that I produced. And they were um, both completely green adults and 
I was able to produce high yellows across the board with them from green snakes. So how does that happen? You know, I think it's interesting that that if you can get those kind of results from yellows, what else you can get from yellows, you know, because yeah. everybody's concentrating on the reds where there hasn't been any of that real uh, work done on producing extreme high yellow. And it's too bad that Jay's not on here right now because Jay has a really cool high. Uh, he has a yellow um, from the sickness. It was a repeat pairing of the sickness, I believe. Jaeger yeah, biscuit, yeah, you're in biscuit. Yeah. It wouldn't have been a repeat, but same size as the sickness. So that animal is kind of like a, a high yellow, kind of funky looking thing, and it has black on it. But it was a yellow. And then he also has a yellow that I gave him that hopefully he could potentially pair up. And that was a yellow that was from my Jaya female that was a yellow paired to a red male that was from my Blue Deuce Biok cross Jason Stevens which is kind of a high white animal mm -hmm. from red. <clears throat> so like you put stuff like that together and start experimenting with it. I mean, those glazer, is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Those things are ridiculous. They're fucking awesome, man. And I mean, I would totally <clears throat> love to focus on something like that if I could get my hand. Andy has an interesting uh, yellow Neo right now that I'm going to be excited to see how that turns out. Is that, that that one hold back with the the lot of the, the dorsal patterning? That Yeah. yeah indeed, yeah. that's 2106, yeah. Yeah. And I don't see a speck of, like, uh, black pigment on that other than its uh, pupil. Yeah, I think well, that's, that's what I wonder. Green snake, who knows? But it's uh, it's, it's it was the first one to eat. Uh, it was the last one to hatch and first one to shed and first one to eat. You know, funny how that works. Um, but yeah, that thing's been a rock star since it hatched. So I'm just uh, it's been a pleasure to take care of. That's for sure. Well, maybe it'll turn pure green and then turn yellow again because that's like something that happens. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> What is uh Tommy? What's yeah, your feeding schedule happen. like? What's that? What's your feeding schedule like for I'm your? Sorry, I was falling asleep over. You got to talk about hot yellow stuff. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> your feeding schedule what are you for drinking? neonates and up. <laughs> so, like newborns, I feed like every three to five days. Um, told probably about three or four months, and then I bump it up to a week. Um, feed that like every week to about a year and then probably 10 days to about, to about one a year, one and a half years. I'll do like 10 days and then two years I'll do like 14 uh, adults. I feed like every 15 to 21 days. So nothing, spe like, nothing special. <clears throat> I mean, I definitely mice or rats. I feed mice when they're younger. Um, adults, I've, I've started to feed rats more. Mm -hmm. it's just so hard to find quality 
jump on mice. Yeah. yeah. More. Especially lately, it's been squirrely. Yeah. yeah. Def- so, milk what? bags. What's that? Deflated milk bags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a but, wet yeah, sock. Definitely overfeeding when I first got into it. I mean, that definitely dialed back the, the feeding schedule um, in a recent year. So. I don't know if y'all have tried it or not, but I offered frog legs to some of mine a couple nights ago with pretty pretty decent reception. Really? Yeah. Who like what what age group? Were they Creek style old day? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, these were some that are 2018, 2019 animals. I mean they're 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 I've been really slow growing these ones in particular. Um mm-hmm. so I mean they're not they're not adult size, uh, in my opinion. I mean they're not anywhere near what some of my, my Beox are, but um like that that animal from Brahms took one. One of the ones from Luke took. The other one was interested, but seemed very confused about what it had in front of it. Mm. Like it was acting like it wanted to go for it, but then I'd put it right up to its nose and it would kind of just stop and it couldn't really seem like it couldn't really figure out exactly what, what the hell it was looking at. Um, but I mean, the other two, they, they took right away. And then one of the, the, the one holdback I have from my first clutch took it no problem. And then I had another male that I had tried, but he's in a shed cycle and he, he had no interest in food at all. So, uh, he didn't take, but he shed last night. So I'll try him again in the next couple of days. But yeah, I mean, they took them no problem. They, they, you can get a two pound box of them from Walmart, you know, frozen and raw with no skin on them for 20 yeah. bucks. Really? What, what yeah. made you try that? 20 bucks? 20 bucks for two pounds. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it ends up being a lot. I, I think I ended up when I split because they come in in sets, and I just cut them right down the middle, mm-hmm. so they each get a leg. Um, that was roughly thirty in individual legs. No so, wow. Yeah. So I offered it to them, and they took it because right now, I mean, I breed my own feeders, and we're having production issues with those because mm-hmm. I lost a handful of adults, and so I've been trying to find an alternative while I get my breeding group back up. And we had Owen McIntyre on from NPR on THP last week. And uh, we got on the subject of like alternative feeders and stuff. And For reals? Yeah. And I, I, we have an Asian grocery store here, but they ne- they're never open. But then I, you know, I saw that Walmart had had frog legs, but I assumed they were already fried and like just place and bake kind of thing. Um, but they're not, they're raw and they're frozen. And I just cut them right in half. And mass wise, they end up being about the same size as a, as a, you know, regular adult mouse um <coughs> really? really lean yeah really lean easy to cut just right That's down the middle well. so i'm gonna try that a little more because I, I mean i took it offered it to some of the corns and other rat snakes and stuff and, and most of them took them too so so we were at cody's uh the last time i, I don't know if it was the last time but at one point at cody's we were uh, we were feeding the sri lankan palm vipers the uh, mm-hmm. the babies we're feeding the neos uh those little many many reptilinks yeah and they basically are arboreal and and perching and you know ba- very similar to the, ba- the the little neo green trees mm-hmm. and they were taking those little reptilinks fairly well 
I don't recall though if they were like the monitor ones. I think they have. Uh, yeah, they've got different blends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Blends, but but it seemed to be they ha- he was getting good responses from a number of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I had tried scooping out fresh tadpoles out of my pond out front here. Mm-hmm. I get like thousands of tadpoles uh, in the spring. And I put them in like a really super shallow petri dish right under the uh, the neos, like ten of them. You know, they're flipping around in there, like no interest whatsoever. Really? Yeah, wow. those work great for baby rhino rats. Do they? they love tadpole? Oh yeah, dude, they'll go nuts on some tadpoles. I could have an army of rhino rats over here. <laughs> dude, there's there's like thousands of frogs over here. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I think they were Cody and Peter were but trying the green to trees. Uh, breed their own like spring peepers too, like little tiny cricket frogs. Yeah, to to feed too. I don't know whatever happened with that. Yeah, but. they were they were trying to raise cricket frogs. I think the like, uh, I think the fire ants were just murdering everything. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they had an issue with that. These things are horrible. Do they still have their uh, anoles? I have no idea. I haven't been down there since Daytona, but I've, I've been wanting to go back down there to see the you know the new croc setups and stuff and alligators and all that. So you guys all got together in Daytona this last past year. Yeah, usually we'll head down there like the Thursday before you know that weekend and and hang out for a night and then sort of caravan down to Daytona from there, but I don't remember. I don't think we did last year. No. It might have been the year before. Last year, uh, we were on our way to Cody's, and he was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Something happened, or there was some sort of he, I guess he was prepared to receive people, or I don't know. Cody reasons. Cody reasons. But we uh, we saw Cody uh, at Daytona, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tone is a blast. We're trying to drag, uh, drag Tommy down there. I, I can't wait for this upcoming year's day. It's, it's going to be man. a good time. You're, that's... you're getting your ass down there this year, Tommy. Yeah, I might have to. That's the that's the only show now that I really have any serious desire to go to and that I will go out of my way to make sure my schedule is clear for. Justin, you've never been to Tinley or? No, I haven't. It's such a. I, knew, I want to. I want to get up there at some point. It's just, it's such a such a far drive yeah. yeah it's gonna require a little more planning and, and much more money to do so yeah i uh, i've done the october tinley and that was a blast you know it's <laughs> uh it's interesting to see the different crowds of people you know all the yeah. southeastern people hit daytona of course you get people up from the northeast out west all over the place you know but there's certainly it feels like different crowds you know i've but, heard tinley's much more much more like straight to business while daytona is much more of a sort of a, a party kind of thing yeah daytona feels more like a vacation i mean i guess it uh, it helps that there's a beach right across the street and uh you know everyone you know makes you know has so many side activities going on you know you got st yeah. augustine alligator farm and reasonable drive you know you can go up to cody's or whatever and they're also doing the private tours right now or nowadays so i mean anybody can go visit them you know you just gotta book it through their website um yeah, Carl's man. Fucking yeah, man. yeah. I still haven't and been Carl, there, but Carl's I, I want to go so bad. 
Yeah, we we had a Dude, well, that, to that... me it was an epic trip last year. I mean, it was. <laughs> well, you also, you saw Eastern Diamondbacks, and, and, man. Like you, I mean, yeah. come on, James was yeah. there. Yeah, talk about uh. Yeah, we found monster Diamondback. Oh man, Cottonmouth Diamondback. Big news. Got to fucking check out Carl's spread again, which is always epic. Tommy, you would have a fucking blast. Like, I'm serious. You need a week down there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I'll be able to do the week like I did last year. Uh, I'm planning a trip uh, to potentially or we're planning the trip to go to Arizona. So I don't think I'll be able to do the full week, but uh, I'll be down there as long as I can. That's for sure. It's, it's, it's a hard place to leave, you know. Tommy, how long you got? How long are you gonna Tommy's going on a trip next week? How long? Week. Saturday. All right. Saturday. Do a week in Florida. No, there's no shot. I'll, I'll get on for like three days. I, I don't think I can handle a week. I don't know a that week. I could handle a week. Like it, there's <laughs> so too. much, so much socialization that weekend that usually by Sunday and I, on the drive yeah. home, I'm just like I feel fried. Two or three days is perfect. It's a blast, but it's like, man, when it's over, I'm like, thank God. Yeah. We're going to yeah, get I, I'd love to get Dan the grass grass, Tommy. You're going three days minimum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I'll go this year. Dan's got that killer Neo from uh, Tommy from the Sky Topaz uh, Blue Monoquari. It's getting really black. Did you see that photo, Andy, that he uh, sent Tommy? I, I haven't seen one in the last, you know, couple weeks or so, but, yeah, that's a stellar snake, that's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so just goes to show you that not always the, the first pick's not always the nicest one. So this past, so this 2020 clutch, Justin, that I had with the uh, – Andrew Men Blue Manicor female to Sky Topaz. She um she had eight that hatched and I sold a few and this guy Dan ended up getting he actually flew in from Washington to pick it out. McLovin. And, yeah, his ended up being the nicest <laughs> one out of the bunch so far. So just never know. Yeah, I think it's nasty. Mine's like just in a holding pattern. I have no idea what the fuck it's gonna do, that but it has really those weird ink spots. Oh, so that you're talking about the number one pick that you greased out of me? That one? <laughs> Are you talking about right now? <laughs> I don't know what this grease job is you're talking about, man. You're all fucking whatever you want, man. <laughs> whatever you want, man. It's fucking good, man. You know. Fucking Tommy, Tommy, fucking Bombay, Tommy. <laughs> James, you've got some stuff cooking right now, though, too, don't you? A little bit. I lost two the other day, though. Two eggs or two but clutches? They, have, they haven't been in there long. The, the first clutch is from uh, shit. I'm going to have to ask Andy about this because it's... Uh, <laughs> The high yellow? Yeah. It's from the Crown Jewel, Diablo Crown Jewel Cross Big Worm is the sire. And and then the dam is from uh, the blue, the 
lemon. Not blue, legend. Blue it's the blue Aru. Uh, I mean. Handy, check his hard drive. No. <laughs> that, that, that's the one that that's the one that crashed. The uh those eggs crashed. It's the uh crown crown uh crown worm to the female. Okay. Yeah, so that's uh Azure, which is out of Mr. Blue Carolina. That's the grandfather. Um to Wemena, I believe, and the other side is Aru mm-hmm. and um I'm missing a one, you know, quarter of that, but that's the gist of it. Yeah, it's got a little bit of blue blood. Well, great blue blood, you know, on the yeah. grandsire side, but uh yeah. Like I got a sibling to her here that's like blue and black. That was a red. So this girl was a yellow and she was bred to like a 98% yellow male. So this is one of those yellow pairings that I'm saying that, you know, if you play around with this stuff enough, you could probably have the yellow equivalent of super blues if you like did it right mm-hmm. you know um i i'm pretty confident that based on the male that there's gonna there are gonna be a lot of high yellows in this like extremely high yellows um <clears throat> then the the second clutch that's cooking that i'm hoping is gonna pay off as well is a big big deal it's uh that's the blue deuce biak crossed with Serac Lagatha and I have she had 14 fertile eggs two of them tanked um, but the others look good so that's so far what I got We're hope, I'm hoping for others but we'll see what happens yeah I mean the yellow yellow versus red thing after what Mark Hager hatched out with those yellows you know it's kind of Makes me giggle a little bit because everyone's so focused on reds and, and and swears that reds are are where it's at. But then Hager pops out those those insane animals that were yellow babies. That, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, Mark has some nice stuff. The um. What was the the Pete Erickson had those the one like blue clutch or whatever blue line from Pete Erickson and the, those were yellow neos. So there was some other stuff that I'd seen and I've seen some animals that were really fucking blue that were yellows 100% um how many of those were males though or uh, yeah they were there was i'm talking about males actually i had i had one yeah i I told you those pictures it was called i named i called him crusty yeah yeah i have those pictures somewhere yeah we we rescued that thing from that place in jersey and it was like fucking it's like a fucking gulag that we got him out of, but it was, <laughs> dude. This thing was perching on the fucking edge of a completely dried out dog fucking bowl, and it was. They had taken razor blades, and they had 
cut the fucking nematodes out of them. Jesus. But just left the cuts completely open. And the thing was just kind of like left for dead. And I still had to pay 500 bucks for it. <clears throat> I, I was able to get him back, you know, pretty good and got him actually breeding to my Vinsky female who then had some sort of a rupture or something during ovulation and she fucking died. But, um, I was praying to get something out of that animal. I, it was fucking retarded. It was, uh, just a pure blue male. And Andy, those, I have pictures of that thing. It was on the original MVF and some douche nozzle was like, Oh, that's hormonal. I'm like, well, it's a fucking male. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> And, uh, oh, my, my buddy Tyler Brooks has a pair that he has in his office, and that male is is blue. Yeah. I mean, dude, there are some beautiful yellow neo animals that are extremely blue. And <clears throat> what comes to mind is, and uh, Andy, I don't know if you could access this. I don't know. That old Al Nusa site. They had some ridiculous photos on there on animals that were 100% yellow animals that were extremely blue, like just really crazy blue animals. Yeah, send, send that to us, Andy. It's not up. The, the site's not up anymore. There's a way to... To access it, though, he, I thought yeah, you were webarchive.org. Yeah. Um, the photos that they had. So Alnusa is the 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 importer that where uh, Arctic Blue came from. So I had tried to purchase what I was assuming was a sibling to Arctic Blue from some douche nozzle i don't remember the guy's name but i was willing to fly out to california and pay 10 grand cash for the fucking thing and uh that fell apart because i was also inquiring to al nusa where he got the animal and took offense to that me looking for other access to snakes so how dare you yeah <clears throat> what's what the, uh, what we're talking what's the, about? What's the? You guys know what the background is on the Vinsky stuff? They're from wild caught. Were they well, that yeah, wild? that is the port was the original Vinsky blue was an import Highland type animal, <clears throat> and then he did a pairing with with uh, Rico. Mm-hmm. So that was the first pairing. Um, and then there was other pairings done that was with uh, Andy, you might want to jump yeah, in here. Joan but... Collins, Pygar, um, yeah, stuff, uh, nuclear, yeah, nuclear. And that was from Cassandra, who from Brass Jungle did that pairing. Um, I had both of those, but it was, uh, and that's what you have one of those, right, Andy? The, 
offspring of the animal that I had. Yeah, so I have the um, the nuclear, you know, some people differentiate the two Vinsky lines, you know, whether it's including the Pygard Joan Collins stuff, which is obviously blue line stuff, you know, Joan Collins was sent to Tim Morris Blue Female and Powder and, you know, so there is actual Trooper Walsh Blue line involved in that. Um, so I have an offspring from the, you know, blue line stuff crossed to the, um, uh, what is it, the Joe Vinsky Highland blue male to the undocumented OS female. And so the Vinsky female that you had, James, that was paired to your Highland male, and I have a female from that. Yeah, and I, I have a sibling to that as well, which I believe is a male. Yeah, so. But that's, that's the, a... I have left. The, uh, the female... Um, she had retained an egg and it caused some serious problems with her. Um, and I lost her as a result. But do you recall that video and the, the photos that we took on the lawn of that female, Andy? That thing was like fucking yeah, the, the weirdest color of it. I, I haven't seen another snake that looked quite like that. And uh, I don't even know how you would start to explain it. It was almost like... Um, she had a very, like, weird... It was dappled, is what I would call it. It was like a dappled, like... As, as if it was a calico, but it was not pixelated. It was more muddled. But then oh, it had this weird. overall, it had an overall, like, pinkish-purple cast to it. Hmm. And I mean, yeah. in any light, in, in the video and photos, it, it, was, it, was, it looked the same. It was just this weird, purplish-pink cast to the whole animal with, like, lavender dorsals. It was beautiful. Hmm. And I haven't heard anything about Joe in a long time. Um, he, I, I believe he was down in Jersey and he, you know, produced a lot of, I mean, dude, those snakes, man, I think I paid 500 bucks for that snake or something ridiculous like that. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. That's for sure. Crazy how expensive these things have gotten. I mean, even yeah. lately with COVID and stuff, prices have just been, Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, a little little out there for some stuff. It's been cut so much because of COVID and whatnot, or, you know, it just, just noticed prices on Morph Market and stuff have just been, like, unbelievable compared yeah. to what they were a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And it seems, I don't know, it seems to me like a lot of people are having success with eggs so far this year. Whether or not they'll hatch is another thing, but um, from all the posts on social media, it seems like a lot of people are producing eggs. Mm. So we'll see how that well affects it, the It's about, you know, it's consistency, though, man. I mean, you have good years. Like from my experience, man, you have good years and bad years, man. And when everything goes great, it goes fucking great. When yeah. everything goes bad, it goes really fucking bad. <laughs> so it's like, 
you know, I mean, you can see, you know, Andy, fucking, you, you can throw fucking two snakes in a fucking Tupperware container and all of a sudden fucking six months later you have fucking eggs that haven't been fucking hatched from that species and fucking who knows when. And, uh, all of a sudden you're fucking hitting the fucking lotto. But can you do it twice? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's not, fucking, it's, it's just not easy, dude. It's like, I bought a fucking ultrasound. How, you think you, that would up your fucking game a bit. You, you can ultrasound them. You can do the whole fucking nine yards and get it at the perfect fucking timing and the eggs still aren't fertile. I mean, which like, remember I was talking about this, Andy, the, uh, yeah. how I, I don't know enough about this and I would like to know more about it. And I think a veterinarian or somebody, I, I would put, pose the question when the follicles are at the optimum size and they're increasing in diameter, say they're at what was what was Rico saying was the optimum size to pair at six or you know, I don't know off the top of my head, but for conversation's sake, say it's between six and ten millimeters or six. All right. So between yeah, six I, and ten. Yeah, I think he started pairing with five, but I thought he said optimum was ten, but I could be wrong. All right, so let's just say the fe- you 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 ultrasound your female. She's at 10 cent- 10 millimeters. And but here's my question. If you get the female and you and and you ultrasound her and she's at 10 millimeters and is if she is on the upsize of going up in follicle development or going back down. If it's going back down from 10 to say like going back down to eight and you pair them and she's like going to reabsorb or whatever the fuck happens. Is that when you get slugs or do they, do, do, do they do they grow them fresh and then reabsorb and then they grow them fresh again? Like I just don't know. I don't. I I've never had somebody explain that part of it to me where it's a hundred percent concise as to the cycle. Because well, if it's not, if they're being reabsorbed, you would think if they're deteriorating. And then it's bread. That's when you're fucked. Yeah. You're not going to get it. So, but, but if they just are holding in a holding pattern, you know, but th- that's the weird part. Like, oh, a male bred this snake a year ago and then it has bait, it has eggs, fertile eggs. So, like, how does that fucking work? I, I would like to know more. So, <laughs> I wonder, so I have that Mater's uh, Reptile Veterination, or better, Veterination, um, Reptile Medicine and Surgery, and I wonder oh, okay. if there's, there's a section in that about that. That book is massive. Like, anytime I have questions like that, I'm usually flipping through that book just to see if there's anything on it. Yeah, that's it like a super killer. I don't even have that book. That's like a fucking $400 book or something. I got it for like 150 It's not that bad. 
Okay, that's that's a good but price. It's, it's freaking heavy. Like I could beat someone with it and probably kill them very easily. Like, it's yeah, I'm gigantic. sure. My vet does have that book, and um, it's worth I, every penny, man. I've like I it, I don't know if I'll ever get around to actually reading the entire thing, but there's just so much information in there on on pretty much anything you could want to know that I'll have to look around and flip through that and and see if there's anything about follicle development and that kind of thing in there. I mean, I, I would think that maybe Scott Stahl would be the, the person to talk to about this. I, I oh, yeah, definitely, I feel like I thought that that was actually, I could be wrong, but I thought that that was possibly the book that he was, they were doing a revised edition of. Yeah. And I think the revised edition is what Justin has and Scott Stahl uh, yeah. co-authored that book. It's oh, the third, third edition. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yes, I would, I would gladly pay for a consult to have a little lecture about what the fuck is going on here. Um, cause I've I wanted I, to get him on one of the shows. I just know he's, he's such a busy guy. I think he's, I know, I know. He was helping me with the Bowen's Python issue that I had with the infection in the mouth after it hit the glass and, uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it turned out that that uh, animal had developed cancer. I don't know if it was cancer due to the infection or cancer that was already present, but I want to say it was something that was due to the infection and the treat and the the aggressive treatment that ensued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that book's worth every penny, man, and you get a free digital version of it when you buy the hard copy too, which is nice. That's, that's you great. have access to it digitally yeah, on the on the website. We need this, Andy. <laughs> I'll add it to the list. Yeah, yeah. It, it cover. I mean, literally everything, like gastroenterology on reptiles and amphibians, and you know, parasites, virology, uh, you know, muscular stuff, neurological stuff. I mean, it just. Tommy, you can buy this for your crit for your fucking sister for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, come in handy. Tommy's sister is like a fucking genius. When, whenever he needs something done with the snakes, and uh, Tom Tommy's too fucking, he's he starts to scream like a little girl. He gets the sister <laughs> over there to do it for him. <laughs> Poor girl, Justin. What I make her? What I make her do? She's a fucking angel, man. You be you. You would have been dead fucking eight years ago without her. I think (laughs) she separated eggs. She's done necropsies. She's done it all. Yeah, she's fucking awesome, dude. She cooks us food too. She's a fucking. (laughs) She's a fucking fat. Dude, she like cooks us food after she comes home from doing like fucking breast cancer surgeries and shit. It's fucking nuts. The fuck? What? How? How the hell did you get in there? What happened to you, Tommy? (laughs) My brother. My brother's smart too. I don't know what happened. Is he? Yeah. Well, we are at an hour 45. Uh, Tommy, where can people find you and follow you? If That's so a bar. Desired? 
That's a bar, <laughs> son. Bar. That's a bar. Um, it's a fucking yeah. sports bar. <laughs> so I have a Facebook page. Um, it's called Gadumi Exotics. G A D U M I. Um, Go Doomy? Gadumi, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should have known that one's coming. <laughs> <laughs> you walked right into that one. Yeah, dude. So, uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram. And uh, that's it. James? What's up, boss? Where can uh, people boss? find you? Oh, jeez. If uh, you want to be found. What's- just James Updahl on Facebook or uh, Captive Snakes on Instagram. I actually have Captive Snakes on uh, Facebook too, but uh, actually I have my phone is working much better now, so I can actually uh, access my messages now. Impressive, right? Nice. If you have a pair of ears, you can find me. (laughs) You Andy. can find Tommy wrestling baby grizzly bears in his kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I can be found on Instagram at am underscore arboreals. I'm also on Facebook at uh, am arboreals and, and as well as Andy Milton. So uh, if you message me or anything like that, uh, I'll get back to you. Awesome. Well, I definitely what about appreciate Jay? Where can we find Jay? Oh, yeah. So. I know on Instagram he's long feathers. But I don't know. Does he have a like a reptile page specifically? I think he was working. No, on I think Mars. he's okay. It's long feathers, but on Facebook, I guess it's just Jay Condra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, well harass his ass. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll have to just figure out another time to have him on. So, I'm. In need to do more episodes, so it works out. But uh, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, man. It's fun. Thanks, Justin. I I guess hopefully we'll see you at fucking Big Gate Cody's in the fucking summertime (laughs) or something. We'll see. It's not a far drive for me, so I'll make a trip down. All right, we'll make it happen. We'll find some big rattlesnakes and hang out with Carl. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah, always right, good man. chatting with you, Justin. And uh, like I've heard uh, Rob Stone talk about, you know, I, I love listening to the Conjure Cast, and you know, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to really listen to this one, you know. But uh, you know, looking forward to the next. And uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this was episode 25 of TCC, brought to you by SpecialtyEnclosureDesigns.com and BlackBoxCages.com. Please check out both Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we will be back Monday night for Snakes and Stogies 109. Uh, we need to get Carl on there at some point. I need to talk to Phil about pulling some strings and seeing if he can, he can pin him down. Um, Carl's but, a fucking legend. Yeah. It's uh, my fucking hero. He's he's the man. He needs a fucking cape. He needs a what? He needs a cape. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, y'all. Everyone have a good evening. All right, All right guys. Thanks, everybody.